With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the key votes in the Senate joins us right now. Democratic Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. Senator, welcome back to Special Report. Thanks for having me, Brett. Appreciate it. When West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin showed up on Fox News last week, he was mostly there to talk about Joe Biden's stimulus plan how much money he was willing to spend on it, whether he supported tacking a $15 minimum wage on the back of it. He doesn't. But toward the end, the host asked him this question it seemed like he'd been waiting to put out there from the very beginning. I have 10 seconds here, Senator. Are you the most powerful person in Washington? Let me tell you something. I've seen people who thought they had power and abused it. I've seen the people that desired power and abused it. And I've seen people that had an opportunity to be in a situation where we can make a difference. And I hope I'm that person to make a difference to bring our country together. You know what Joe Manchin didn't say when he answered this question? No. So I asked Slate's Jim Newell to weigh in. Some people have said Joe Manchin's the most powerful man in Washington. Are you buying that? No. Um, (laughs) I think he's in an extremely powerful position. It's kind of like he's being squeezed. He's not determining the agenda, but he's determining what may or may not got through as part of that agenda. Joe Manchin is determining what's on the agenda because he's arguably the most conservative Democrat in a 50-50 Senate. If you've got Bernie Sanders on one side of an ideological spectrum— Manchin, he's way over on the other. Simply put, the Democrats need his vote. Yeah, so when I'm I'm processing, can something pass? Like, that's how I think about it, you know. uh, Like, does it pass the Bernie test? Does it pass the Joe Manchin test? And then if it does, everyone in the middle will sort themselves out. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, most people in the middle just want to be told what to do, so. The question now is how Senator Manchin is going to use his newfound power. So far, when reporters like Jim ask about his legislative priorities, Joe Manchin has been brushing them off. I think he's understanding that every little word he says now kind of has veto effect on on what can get through Congress. So he's, he's just being a little more careful. Today on the show, two ways of understanding how Joe Manchin might influence Joe Biden, and by extension, the rest of us. First, Jim Newell on Manchin's place in the D.C. power structure. And then, longtime West Virginia reporter Ken Ward on what folks back home think Manchin's going to do for them. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Who exactly is Joe Manchin? Like, can you talk me through his political rise? Sure. So he was a very popular governor of uh, West Virginia. And then in 2010, when uh, after Robert Byrd died, the longtime senator from West Virginia, he ran for that seat. And it was in a, a pretty difficult political moment for Democrats because of the all the political capital that the Affordable Care Act had eaten up. Uh, they were also trying to move on cap and trade climate legislation. So in this very famous campaign ad, uh, Joe Manchin did in 2010, he literally shot a copy of the cap-and-trade bill that House Democrats had passed, like with a shotgun. I sued EPA, and I'll take dead aim at the cap-and-trade bill. So you can see that he's not, like, going along to get along as a Democrat. Like, he came in making a statement about being different. Right. Um, and he also recognizes that he's kind of the last Democrat standing in West Virginia. Um in terms of a, a, a really successful uh, career politician in the state. I mean, I've read profiles of him, and it seems like he really enjoys, like, the constituent services part of his job, like getting things done for individuals who call him. Right. But I don't see, like, major legislation coming from him. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, part of it is, one, the Senate has stopped legislating, and two, he's been in the, mi in the minority for the last six years. Joe Manchin, I think what— a lot of people don't appreciate is he's a really, really good politician. Like he's a really good retail politician. If you've just seen him interact at a town hall or with normal people, like he very much has that kind of like Bill Clinton, I feel your pain, <laughs> you know, sort of ability to connect with people. Like if people come to, to protest him or ask him to do one thing, like he will stand there and talk to them. You know, he won't run away or anything like that. It's just, it's a very interesting thing to see. And you can see how he survived so much even while the West Virginia Democratic Party on the federal level has has been carved out. Senator Manchin has occasionally seemed to flirt with Republicans. He even considered joining Donald Trump's cabinet. But Jim says Manchin is loyal to the Democrats in his own independent way. Like when he had to take a vote on the nomination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Manchin was the only Democrat who voted in favor of confirming him. But Jim says that was only after he made some political calculations. He waited until the very end of the process. Once he saw that Kavanaugh was already going to have 50 Republican votes to cast his vote. And then I think they basically had two statements ready to go, depending on the vote math in the Senate. So, you know, it's a question of like, he will join bipartisan votes sometimes, but Republicans don't think he'll actually be the decider uh, to, you know, either kill a Democratic bill or, or, or salvage a Republican bill. It's interesting to hear you say that because when I was reading about Joe Manchin, I read about another Democratic politician in West Virginia who definitely had <laughs> bad history with Manchin. But she was like, oh, he's not a Democrat. He's never been a Democrat. But what you're really saying is like, no, he really is a Democrat. Like, he isn't going to break with folks in his chamber, but he is kind of doing his own thing at the same time. 
Yeah, he's been asked time and time again whether he's going to split and join the Republican uh, conference in the Senate. He's always said no. He says he's a proud West Virginia Democrat. I think he he views himself as more of a, a an ancestral Democrat than a uh, a contemporary Republican. I don't know how many meetings he's had with Republican leadership about switching sides. And it seems like every two years, there's always the conversation about whether Joe Manchin will split, and he's never done it. Um, so I understand why people on the left think he's, you know, actually a Republican, uh, just because if you're on the left, he seems very conservative from your perspective. But, you know, if, if you want him to just admit that he's a Republican, he can go ahead and join the Republican side and give them the Senate majority. But I don't think that's what the left actually wants. Hmm. I wonder if now that Manchin's in this new position, this position that seems more powerful, whether you see Democrats kind of making nice with him or, or trying to <laughs> find a new relationship with him. I think everyone knows that they're all in this together and that Joe Manchin has to be kind of you can't just yell and scream at him. That's not going to work out for you. I remember I was talking to, to one Senate staffer back during the, the Kavanaugh confirmation again, and there was some pressure for, you know, Joe Manchin to be, some people were calling for him to be like stripped of his committees if he didn't go along with, with Dems on um, trying to block Kavanaugh. And the Senate staffer told me like, Chuck Schumer did not have that power over Joe Manchin. You know, Joe Manchin would just tell him, "Okay, bye. Like no one really can tell Joe Manchin what to do. When the Senate was passing the budget resolution last week, Joe Manchin worked out a a non-binding vote on, you know, whether on saying no, no check should go to upper income taxpayers. And it passed 99 to one. And I think that was Senate Democrats kind of holding Joe Manchin's hand a little bit, you know, telling him that, okay, his concern was being listened to. Like, we may have to pare back some of these checks in this next round. Like, we'll go along with this sort of messaging amendment. Um, so I, I, I think it's kind of a delicate thing they're working with. That's an interesting way of looking at it. And of course, part of Manchin's power is he's openly talked about not running for his seat at certain points, like just retiring. And as you've said, he's sort of the last remaining Democrat in West Virginia. So it would put Democrats in a bind of having to figure out how they're going to make the math work in their favor. Right. I, I think that's what makes him kind of tricky is because I understand how frustrating it can be for Democrats that this one guy can dictate so much of, of what goes in the final bill of stuff you've been working on for years, you know, trying to develop policy for the next time you take power. But on the other hand, you have to, at the end of the day, thank your lucky stars that Joe Manchin exists. He's a he's a unicorn. I mean, a West Virginia Democrat in 2021 who can get reelected a couple of times. Um, it's kind of a miracle. When we come back, West Virginia reporter Ken Ward on how the simple facts of life back in Manchin's home state are going to influence his behavior in Congress.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I wanted to talk to reporter Ken Ward about Joe Manchin because, like a lot of Manchin's constituents, he sees the senator's ascendance as an opportunity. I think the joke that's kind of going around West Virginia has, you know, there's a, a variety of different ones that all kind all kind of point back to, wow, how much more pork are we going to get now? Ken says this potential pork, it would really be an investment, an investment that's well-deserved. As a native West Virginian, Ken's seen the land around him gutted by the coal industry. He wonders if now Manchin can change the story we tell about his home state. The, the framing of this, that uh, of let's everybody look at Joe Manchin and try to understand him and why is he a Democrat and is he going to go with the president or not, and is, is I think it's what, what, what isn't really fully grasped and contextualized in that conversation is that there are, there are real issues and real people and real problems and real challenges in places like West Virginia, in places like Eastern Kentucky, in places like Wyoming, where the coal industry were the best and really only high-paying jobs around for generations. Uh, there are real problems that are beneath that. And rather than trying to frame the questions of who is and what is Joe Manchin at this moment in our country's history around red versus blue and why is he a Democrat and, uh, and, and those things, how, let's frame it around what are the real problems and issues that people in the state he represents need to have the federal government help deal with. When, when we, were, we were getting ready to record this podcast, my, my Wi-Fi and my house went down for a while. Well, everybody in West Virginia is trying to work and learn from home with, with the crappiest broadband in the country. And so does part of the economic stimulus that we're going to pass, does part of addressing uh, the economic challenges brought about that are brought about in communities that rely on fossil fuels for the economy, does it include, hey, you know what, we're going to fix that broadband issue in West Virginia? Understanding what's happening here, I think, really requires understanding the economic position of places like West Virginia and the great need for uh, for help from the federal government uh, in trying to address those challenges. When national media pay attention to states like West Virginia, Ken says the focus is too often on issues of pride and petty disagreement, conflicts that distract rather than illuminate. He can already see this happening. He says just look at the tug of war that's begun to play out over Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus. In his first two weeks in office, Biden deployed his vice president, Kamala Harris, to go on a media tour and sell his bill. One of her first virtual stops was West Virginia, where she showed up on local TV. The story that got told after this appearance was that the White House had failed to notify Joe Manchin of this media blitz and that the senator had been offended. To make matters worse, 
Harris misspoke. She said her administration wanted to reclaim abandoned landmines rather than mine lands. But Ken says focusing on gaffes and personalities, that'll just mislead you. There's a couple things about that kind of that whole kerfluffle. And in this case, uh, both local and national media, like going for conflict for conflict's sake. <clears throat> because the stories that I saw, for example, about the abandoned mine land, abandoned landmine thing, by and large, didn't really talk about the size and scope of the abandoned coal mine problem in West Virginia <clears throat> and the lack of money to do anything about it and how spending more money to do something about it would create new jobs. It was just... It was sort of like big city vice president messes up when she talks to rural voters. Right. And, and I think that's what mischief-making political consultants and not very good journalists are going to do. They're going to seize on that conflict for conflict's sake. The, the response that would have been good to hear from the Biden-Harris administration to the abandoned man, land mine, abandoned mine land mistake would have been something that said, you know what? We have a bill to renew that program for another 10 years, and here's how we're going to spend the money, and here's how many jobs it's going to create. Um, so that's kind of where the rubber hits the road sort of thing about does the Biden agenda include the, the amount and type uh, and inclusive aid that communities that have relied on fossil fuels are going to need uh, going forward. There's this other thing that stood out to me as I watched Manchin negotiate the stimulus, though, which was the back and forth over the $15 minimum wage, because Manchin seemed to be opposed to that idea, and he spoke out against it. And when he talked about his opposition, it struck me that he was talking about the Senate and how it works and how it's an institution where smaller states like his don't have to give in to bigger states. And it was interesting to me because it was clear that Joe Manchin saw himself as part of a minority, even though his party controls the Senate and the Congress and the White House. I wonder why what you make of that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, that, that, that sort of kind of minority view. I think that, I th I, frankly, I, I mean, I think that reflects a certain feeling that West Virginians have uh, of uh, we, um, West Virginians have giant chips on our shoulders and, and we're very quick to assume that everybody is out to get us or that we're going to get left behind. And, and I think that uh, to, to maybe one of the reasons we, that Senator Manchin is popular here is that he he carries that with him like like your average West Virginian does. If 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 you sense like a uh, something from him where he is speaking like or acting like, even though his party is not the minority anymore, uh, uh, it's it's probably a reflection of that sort of West Virginian you know uh, feeling a little bit like the outsiders are left behind um, coming through. And at the same time, that that is, that is pro the, the fact that he carries that the way many West Virginians do is probably part of what allows him to continue to be uh, 
elected as a Democrat in a state that keeps electing more and more Republicans. Yeah, it seems to me like he's political comfort food for the state. And I guess the question is whether that's going to work <laughs> as... Right, right, right. <clears throat> right. I think, I think, I think that political comfort food is, a, is, a, is probably a, 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 as good of a characterization of how West Virginians feel. Look, you know, the, the, uh, some of the more powerful Republican people in the state tried to take down Senator Manchin in his last election. They didn't come close. And, you know, you see, now you see like some uh, liberal pack uh, saying it's going to find somebody to run against him next time. Well, okay, good luck. That's like a full employ- full employment for political consultants right there. Um, so I think that uh, that there is that, that political comfort food is right. I, I would say the reason why I think I and others are interested in Joe Manchin is the fact that he represents a deep red state. Presidential elections has gone for the Republican every year since 2000. He's He's been a Democrat in his state as slowly, one by one, every many, not every, but many elected offices have gone to Republicans. And so it just puts him in a doubly interesting position where he's maintained his authority as with a D next to his name (laughs) in a state where that's not the usual course. And because he's now in this position where he could be the tipping vote. And I think that's why so many of us are focused on him. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like attention on on Senator Manchin. He's is he the most powerful person now? Is he more powerful than the president? What's he going to do with and and I think the, the, the question to flip it around, the country just elected a Democratic president, and I think by most reasonable standards, a center moderate Democratic president, right? So what is the Democratic Party and what is the what is the the federal government that's now controlled by Joe Biden? What is it going to do to address these concerns of West Virginia of, uh, look, it's not just that coal jobs have declined because of the rise of natural gas. Even when the coal industry was going great guns in West Virginia, West Virginia remained a state with a high poverty rate, low educational attainment, uh, poor public health outcomes with lots of problems. How in the world did a state that produced all of this coal, billions and billions of dollars of wealth for people somewhere else, and huge economic gains for the country, what is it about our system in this country, our political and our economic system that allowed that to happen while, you know, West Virginia still has uh, raw sewage going into creeks and West Virginia still has schools that are substandard and West Virginia still has kids that are going hungry. As a country, we're going to ask like continued sacrifice because we're going to phase out fossil fuels or we're going to continue to reduce the use of coal. Well, okay. What are we going to do to raise up West Virginia in the process? The proof will be in will be in the pudding here of what is Biden what is President Biden's agenda for West Virginia and places like it and if it is only we have to do something about climate change and it is not we also have to do something about systemic inequities in places like West Virginia then I think you're going to see Joe Manchin not necessarily being there with President Biden 
uh, and he may oppose those things. Ken Ward, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Ken Ward Jr. is the co-founder of Mountain State Spotlight. He's also a distinguished reporting fellow with ProPublica. And that is the show. If you like what you're hearing, there is a way you can support us. Join Slate Plus. You'll get access to ad-free podcasts. You'll get unlimited articles on Slate.com. Just go on over to Slate.com slash plus and learn more. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Davis Land, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict help us out each and every day. And I am Mary Harris. I will be back in this feed with more What Next tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.